0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May the 4th be with you, 2022, I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini, and I am on my own today, it's been a while since I've done one of these, so I apologize for that, but my crazy New York schedule got the better of me today, so I had to bump the recording time with Ashley, Uh, this is all my fault, so I am sorry that this is coming out a few hours later than normal on Patreon, but I am here with all of the theater news that you need to know, and... My thoughts on the two shows that I saw on Tuesday, Hitler's Taster's Off-Broadway and A Strange Loop on Broadway. Of course, as I just mentioned, you can hear this and all of Broadway Radio's episodes before anyone else in our Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio. All right, unfortunately, we have to start the show off today with some disappointing news, as the Broadway production of For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough has moved up its closing date from August 14th to May 22nd. At the time of closing, this revival will have played 58 total performances on Broadway. As I've discussed the last few weeks when discussing the weekly grosses, and we'll do it for last week here in a few minutes, For Colored Girls was really struggling, many weeks being the lowest or the second to lowest a commercial show playing on Broadway. And not to jump the gun, I guess, to our next topic, but last week the show played to just 51% of its capacity and grossed a couple tickets over a quarter of a million dollars, which was actually up nearly 106000 bucks over the previous week. Now, despite the fact that For Colored Girls is closing up shop earlier than had been originally planned, the reviews for the show were fantastic. And you still have a few weeks, three-ish weeks to see it. In fact, I am going to see it alongside the one and only Robbie Rizzell tonight. More on him in a minute. Um, So you should come and join us, either tonight or during the rest of the run. I would be shocked if the show doesn't get a Best Revival of a Play nomination next week and maybe get some acting and uh, directing and choreography, maybe even nominations. Um, so if you have a chance and this sounds like a show that would be interesting to you, head over to the Booth Theater by May 22nd to see the Camille A. Brown-directed revival of Ntozaki Shange's For Colored Girls. Okay, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, but we do have last week's Broadway grosses to look at today. Overall, Broadway saw a 15% decline with the remnants of the holidays and spring breaks heading out of town. Collectively, the Great White Way brought in $29,072,410, down a little over $5 million from the previous week. The main stem also saw a decrease of 10% in attendance, despite adding Girl from the North Country back to the boards, even though it was just for three performances over the past weekend. The Music Man was again the top grosser at $3,315,671, followed by Hamilton at $2.1 million, Plaza Suite at $1.66 million, The Lion King at $1.64, and Moulin Rouge at $1.42. The rest of the shows in the seven figure club in descending order were MJ, Wicked, Funny Girl, Curse Child, and Six. Wicked actually dropped 712k week over week, while Cursed Child shed 588,000, and Beetlejuice declined 493k. Obviously, the family fair did not fare well last week, but likely will again when summer is in full swing. In its three performances back at the Belasco, Girl from the North Country grossed to just under $132,000, which was only about $9,000 less than the Skin of Our Teeth did in a full eight-show week, so not great there up at the Beaumont. Paradise Square was next at just 206 k with The Little Prince, fourth from last at 233000 and then the previously-discussed for colored girls at 250 k Interestingly, no show on Broadway last week played to full capacity. Macbeth came in closest uh, at 99.4%, even though they grossed just $971,000. It will be interesting to see what next week's Tony nominations do for the duration of the month. Once we get into June, we can start to see some of those tourist numbers come back. We assume since we saw some pretty good numbers over the holidays this past week. Um, But we have Memorial Day coming up and then getting into the summer. So hopefully some of these bottom line numbers increase fairly sizably, and maybe some of these shows that are not doing super well at the box office will get some bumps from the Tony noms. All right, real quick, let's take a second to talk about the one and only my theater and cabaret going buddy for tonight, Robbie Rizal. As you've heard us talking about all week, Robbie will be making his UK debut at Crazy Cox with his The Inevitable show coming up on May 15th, less than two weeks away, a week and a half. You will definitely want to see this show if you are in or around London. Robbie will be joined by special guest Aaron Lee Lambert from the West End production of Hamilton. Robbie will be doing his carefully curated evening of chaos, unleashing his razor-sharp wit, signature medleys, and of course, special guests. But if you are stateside and not able to get to old London town in time to see him at Crazy Cox, still a bonkers name for a venue, but... um, You will be able to see Robbie at the Green Room 42 on June 11th in his new show, Pretty Witty and Gay. A perfect thing to see both in Pride Month and I... I think I might have said this was after the Tonys, but I think this is actually the day before the Tonys, right? This is the Saturday before the Tonys. So we will have a link in the show notes where you can get tickets and more information for both of Robbie's shows and to keep up with him, no matter what crazy, hilarious, incredibly talented thing that he is doing next. All right, getting back into the news. I want to do a couple reviews from the San Diego Old Globe Theater where the Broadway bound production of Bob Fosse's Dancing is having its out of town tryout. The show is directed by Wayne Salento and features 16 principal principal dancers that are recreating to a certain extent the choreography from the original Broadway production of Bob Fosse's dance while also bringing in choreography from earlier in his career. The show will play uh, San Diego through May 29th. No exact word on when it is planning to come to Broadway but the plan is to go from there to here so we will see uh, uh, when and if that actually happens. David L. Cotton from the San Diego Tribune said, quote, Two beautifully staged pieces, Dancing Man and Benny's Number, bookend the two-act musical's intermission. The first, with company in top hats and in top form, is Fosse's homage to Fred Astaire. And for a few minutes, the Hollywood musical of old is resurrected. When Benny's number opens act two with Louis Parma's sing, 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 a drummer with full kit is perched high above the stage and to the smoking orchestra directed by Daryl Archibald, the dancers just about raise the roof. The remainder of the second act never fully matches that energy. It does include the sensational romantic fantasy number with Guzman and Maddie Love and some palpable heat beneath Melissa Manchester and Carol Bayer Sager's If It Feels Good, Let It Ride. E.H. Reiter from Broadway World said, quote, While based on Fosse's choreography from both the original of this show and from his earlier works, there's no need to have familiarity with any of Fosse's prior works to enjoy or understand the show. Though you could hear audience members yell yes when something like a favorite from Pippin or Sweet Charity and others made an appearance, Bob Fosse's Dancing is a show that doesn't just celebrate Fosse in the world of dance, but also the individuality and artistic expression of each performer. It will leave you energized, breathless, and excited to see it over and over again. Again, Bob Fosse's dance will be playing uh, San Diego's Old Globe Theater through May 29th. All right, real quick, I want to discuss the two shows that I saw on Tuesday. As you might recall, last month I interviewed playwright Michelle Collis Brooks about her new play, Hitler's Tasters, which is now playing off-Broadway at Theater Row through May 21st. On Tuesday, I finally got to see the show. And I have to tell you that despite the fact that I absolutely should have been prepared uh, to see this show, given the conversation that I had with Michelle, as well as just the general plot outline of the show, I was still taken aback multiple times by some of the literal topics of conversation that the characters have um, that you just never anticipate hearing spoken out loud in the year of our Lord 2022, even in a play about young women who consider it an honor to serve the Fuhrer. But then perhaps more viscerally, I was shaken by how much these fictional characters resembled people that we have unfortunately all seen up close and well too personally over the last six or seven years. And that while I think a few lines of dialogue were a bit unnecessarily on the nose at times, having the remove of 80 years uh, and, you know, a couple continents and the other side of, you know, a great war It really brought into sharper focus how the zealous worship of horrible human beings can warp the minds of even those who think that they are on the side of right. When I spoke to Michelle, we talked about the fact that this is a show that had its world premiere in 2018. Um, Obviously, that was in the middle of the Trump presidency, but we didn't really get into how much those events impacted this show itself. And I don't want to speak for her, but for me, the similarities between the myopic worldviews that we see in the young women who are Hitler's tasters in that show and what we have seen played across the past half decade plus on cable news, um, and unfortunately, sometimes even more closer to home and, and even our own families, was palpable and stirring and jarring to me. The last third of the 90-minute show really hits the hardest and really kind of brings into light the brainwashing, whether willing or unwilling, uh, that tyrants and despots can have on their followers, uh, how painful and troubling that can be. So um, it's funny, some of the choreography and the staging Um, are fantastic. Uh, It's directed by Sarah Norris and uh, choreographed by Ashley Wassman. Um, All of the actresses, the four actresses in the show, were really, really good. So if you have a chance to see it at Theatre Row through May 21st, I would recommend that. All right, from Theatre Row, I um, went up to the Lyceum Theatre on Tuesday evening to see a little show that you might have heard of called A Strange Loop. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this since I did a whole review recap episode last week reading you the thoughts of much smarter and more articulate individuals than myself. But the thing that I believe stood out to me most was that while some of the more sensational and even titillating aspects of the show's content will likely be the things that people are discussing after the show, it was the personal, literal personal like to me Uh, impact that the show had that'll stick with me for a long time after seeing it. There is undoubtedly a lot of topics that are explicitly discussed and even acted out in a strange loop that I honestly don't know if we've ever seen in a Broadway musical or at least not one that has had the critical praise that this one has. I mean, even fellow Pulitzer Prize winning musical Rents contact scene and some of the other conversations in the show don't really approach the level of frank conversation that Michael R. Jackson's show does. And just for the record, anytime Contact comes on while I'm listening to Rent, it is an automatic skip. And while that frankness uh, is honestly a major part of the show's truthfulness and honestly historic representation, the thing that I feel most makes a strange loop special is the sheer and utter emotional and experiential rawness that Jekyll, Spivey, and company envelop the audience in. Even if you are nothing like Usher and can't relate to the specifics of his circumstances, the performances from the entire cast and the way that Jackson has stripped back all of the superficiality that we normally see in even the most serious and and raw and vulnerable musicals makes it impossible not to feel the pain the fear, the frustration that Usher is going through. I have never seen a musical where I have felt the transference of the main character's emotions onto my own self and soul more than I have in a strange loop. Not only does your heart break for Usher as a character, it breaks for Jackson, the man upon whom Usher is based. and even more artistically miraculous, your heart breaks a little bit for yourself as well. Not because Usher's hurt becomes your hurt, but because we all have our own individual hurt. And and seeing Spivey so explicitly and unguardedly share Usher's reminds us of what it is that we have hidden and ignored and pushed down in our lives and kept silent because we didn't want to upset the people around us that we love. The show is both agonizing and cathartic because despite living vicariously through Usher's internal and external torment, we also see the joy that life, art, and creativity can offer. The show is fun. The show, despite being really heavy and impactful, and I'm welling up just kind of thinking about it again here, It's a delight. Um, And I I think some of the reviews mentioned this, or maybe it was tweets from critics after the fact, but I would recommend listening to the cast album before you see it. I generally do that all the time because I don't want to miss anything. I didn't do it for this because I knew the lyrics were there was a lot of stuff in there. That's kind of surprising, but the the audio mix in the theater is not great and because of the way the music is structured. A lot of times you have people singing together, singing over each other and you can miss things. And I feel like I missed a lot, Um, so I'm going to have to dive into the cast album to hear it a little more. So while the mileage will obviously vary in terms of the relevance that the show has to your own life, a Strange Loop is a musical that is an absolutely vital and revitalizing experience for anyone and everyone who has ever felt pain and disappointment, and to loop it back around, that is anyone and everyone. All right, everybody, that's all that I have for you today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at bwwmap. Have a wonderful hump day and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow.